in as they create mega stories before your very ears. It's time to keep calm and be cool, everyone. This week's mega character is Super Swave. Welcome to the B Mega Podcast. My name is Luke, and I own one of the two brains responsible for the megafication that takes place at the Mega HQ. The other brain is kept in a jar by my great friend and longtime collaborator, Adam. Good day, hey. sir. Hey, good day to you, man. I've been staring at the brain all day. That's it. That's just staring that's at it. That's really it's, all it takes. It's how I prepare for the genius that comes out of the B Mega podcast <laughs> is by staring at the brain and processing it, thinking, I wonder, I wonder what that fold knows. That's, I wonder what that little fold knows. That's mm, that fold is a nice looking fold. I'll bet that one has some pretty information. That sort of thing. That's that's how we think. We 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 try to imagine what the brains think and then we put that down. So Right. It's because actually it's it's the equivalent of of knowing that you have an exam tomorrow and rather than studying for the exam you spend a lot of time thinking about all the possible ways that you could all the possible results of the exam <laughs> well if i got a 65 on the exam then this would happen and if i got a i just stare at the brain and go, i wonder what it would be like to use that <laughs> and then i just wing it yeah it's just that's my life hey luke hey adam are you ready to make a character today i am 100 percent ready to make a character a mega, mega, mega. For anybody new to the B Mega podcast, that's what we do every week. We make a mega, a superhero character that comes out of some crazy idea that one of us had. And this week, I am very excited for this character. This is an idea I've been festering for a while. Looking forward to getting your take on it. Luke, today, how do you feel about Super Swave? <laughs> super Swave. Super Swave. Uh... I am of two minds on this. I am really going with the two brains thing today. The all two brains. No, I am I am of two minds of this. I can't help but imagine either one a person who is ridiculously social and attends social events with with confidence and 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 just a uh, uh, power that's that's un, that's inhuman. But then on the other hand, I see someone who maybe is trashing those kinds of social events. And I'm not sure kind of where I'm landing, but it, where the, it, where it came from, it's a ridiculous thing. It's a, it's such a ridiculous Chillicothe goofy thing. But one of the things that my dad used to say to me that always cracked me up was if I would do something, especially not graceful or, 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 you know, suave or whatever, he'd, he'd call me suave. I'm not just me. I think he did that to anybody, but it was such a goofy. It's one of those I've turning into my dad moments because I do that now all the time. And I, well, not all the time, but I've started doing it. And my wife thought it was ridiculous the first time she heard me say it. And it, to me, it encapsulates everything about trying to be cool, but then just missing it badly. And so, yeah, so Super Suave is, to me, the extreme version of that. Okay. And, and I think where we start, where, what I picture anyway to begin with is what I would consider the, the utmost awkward 
place in a person's life. So I was picturing an eighth grader. Oh, um, <laughs> is, is where we start. And, and so this kid is really, really was born with a, a very high, it was very in tune with people, has a, yeah. a really keen understanding of human interaction and has a great empathy, almost can sort of read people's moods and minds just because he spent his whole life trying desperately to understand how to be accepted, really. But <laughs> in eighth grade, let's call that cool. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Um, it's uh, be be part of the gang, be part of the. Yeah. And and but. And the trouble is, in spite of a really high intelligence and, and understanding of people and desire to be social and with people, this kid gets it wrong always. And it's it's an overshooting. OK, spends too much time. He spends too much time analyzing how to how to relate to and connect with and engage with a specific group of people or whatever his target of the of the day is. And so he's always reinventing himself and showing up with a completely different uh, look and approach to life and set of interests, but way overshot and usually badly wrong in some key area. Oh man. It's, it's not like he's this introverted uh, person incapable of connecting with people. He just, he, he puts way too much energy into this whole thing. Yeah. Like, like and, and studies it study reads books about how people interact and engage and how to get people to, you know, how to win friends and influence people and things of this nature. He's constantly trying to find the way to tap into it, but has the sort of mind that has a, an analytical kind of understanding of things, but misses just misses that those one key. He, he needs to relax. Okay. <laughs> I think is part of it, but I think it's also come, it comes from, being very distinctly different and maybe more just intense in everything that he does. And he's always been like that. I think he's in some ways fighting against that. And that's why he's constantly changing. Okay. Uh, because he's, he's, he knows that being his natural, awkward, strange, compulsive self is, is not going to, isn't working. So he's by that's maybe that's it. Maybe he, he's sort of just a quiet kid until like junior high. Uh, right? And then he starts to try all these different things like out. He's, so maybe he's been reading all of these books. Yeah. All it's, along. Just all, it's just a recent thing that he's been trying to actively do, find ways to uh, connect and be cool. Do you think that he faults other people when he identifies them as uncool, according to whatever books or resources he's read all of these years? I think he doesn't understand it because he always thinks that he's so much better at being whatever it is that this group or this person thinks is like, he'll target a person to be like that person. I want, I want to be friends with that person oh. or I want to be and get into that group or something and then study everything about what they think is cool and what they're interested in. And then he feels like he does it so well, but he's always just, a little wrong and usually like two on the nose. Does it, it kind of sounds like he almost ends up becoming a stereotype of whatever social circle he's trying to connect himself with. Yeah. And maybe not even a stereotype as much as like, if a group is into a specific kind of music, he'll, he'll know so much about it that then he comes in and he's talking about 
music that influenced this music and the history of the instruments and the type of music and the background about the and they're they don't and he doesn't understand it so he thinks that i guess i think what i'm saying is at his core he's a good he wants to really relate with these people but then he gets such a he builds up by this time by eighth grade when we all do such a defensiveness from not being included that it is is starting to get sort of uh, malicious, ah. <laughs> get aggressive. Okay, um, and and that's part of um, makes all of makes sort of all of this possible is that he does have the sort of personality that just allows him to keep going back at it and keep trying. So kind of one of the positive things is that he does keep sort of showing up uh, and trying to find a place in the weird world of the eighth grade. Like he, he doesn't get discouraged when they kind of start <laughs> just every time start kind of migrating yeah. away from him. Yeah. Well, he does, it, he does. And it, and it does maybe generate a little bit of malice, but I think in, in his, in his, it is core. He really does want, uh, to find, he wants to find a group of people like himself. He right. wants exactly the same thing that we all do, right. but he's that. just, he's not finding it and he's miss he's misallocating that energy to trying to chase down maybe the wrong people or so it's yeah 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 and it it sounds like he would have to be a really intelligent kid to be able to uh, really morph himself into a different kind of person day after day or week after week yeah he is i think he's really intelligent but he doesn't like he's not especially he's not he's not thought of as a great student or anything because he focuses so much energy on all these other pursuits. But yeah, he's he's clearly a, a, a sort of a genius of of being able to understand and um, self educate and all these things. Kind of a product of the of our modern times. Oh, product of our. <laughs> would he ever try to use or would he ever try to? Um associate with with his own teachers in the same way like he would he would maybe show up early for school and 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 like bring donuts to the teachers and then kind of like try to talk to them as they are talking to each other before class like kind yes. of like I think part of his part of his what is what makes him his personality so all over the place too is that he doesn't have he has a very short attention span. So from so that's why every day it's somebody different. And yeah, I think totally one day it's like I'm going to be like this English teacher or I want to be I want to be today. I want to try to connect with. Yeah. It, 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 so then he's in like a suit and <laughs> or, or tie and drinking coffee in the teacher's lounge at like 830 in the morning. And they're like, why are you in here? You should be in class. Like, These kids, huh? <laughs> Um, so he just so totally puts it on. He totally puts on the. I would be interested. I would be interested in, in maybe what, like what his family is like, or if he does have, like, does he have any friends at all outside of school or is school or is he. I think he has, he doesn't have any friends outside of school. He's an only child. Um, and his parents are psychology professors oh okay and they're not around a lot well they probably if they're professors they're probably at the university well and they have a they they really believe in a parenting philosophy of letting the child sort of discover himself so they they sort of let him (laughs) do his thing which is part of why he has 
developed both the healthy and unhealthy sides of his personality. Right. Yeah. No one's healthy curiosity and independence, unhealthy relationships skills. Yeah. yeah. No, like most of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, really no buffer for the, for the, um, or no boundaries for, right. For, uh, for the behavior. Yeah, and I and but then access to a lot of materials and information and books and you know things like that and high level conversation. He he was he attended you know university cocktail parties and things like that when he was a toddler. He, he I he probably interacts with his parents the same way that he does with other people. Like he he will sit down reading a newspaper yes. with like a, a bubble pipe and yeah. and some chocolate milk. And and try to discuss the day's events and right. and include and he himself. He just does. He just they they think that's how he is because he just learned this early on that he could just put on whatever and it works on adults. That's the thing is it doesn't work on kids because yes. you can overshoot with adults and adults don't. So he's very that's it. So maybe he does have he has friends, but they're all like professors <laughs> and you know writers and. So he has friends, but none his age. Like maybe that's why he why he is able to continue in school because he's, he's, he's befriended these teachers and yeah, it works on the teachers and it right. helps keep him afloat. And his next, his, his real goal is like, I like these kids, these, right. and he, like he probably, do you think he refers to them as children? Like he refers to like a little bit, kind of yeah. separates himself a little bit, but. But he doesn't have an understanding of how they operate. And that's the thing. It's like, he can never, maybe, and maybe this is a bigger part of it than, than that he doesn't understand how to interact with people. It's that he especially doesn't understand how to interact with kids because they're not, they don't respond to, you know. Well, and they're, they're like their way of being cool is not like, it's not a textbook version that he's read for years. Like it's, right. it's just kids naturally being kids and, and it's interacting also and, and just putting on uh, social yeah. airs or whatever. Here's what I think happens, or the beginning of what I think happens. Okay. Anyway, I want to get that actually ties in really well too. So he's he's having you know uh, a cappuccino as you do, maybe a maybe a London fog, whatever, <laughs> some sort of some sort of beverage with a uh, a few a few academic friends um, in their fifties. <laughs> one one Saturday morning discussing you know the world's unraveling and and one of them mentions that um he had read an article about some about this this person who offers a service who uh, specializing in teaching people to interact with their peer group or something but that it's but that it's you know sort of controversial and and I don't know, maybe it has to do with some like ethical shadiness of like mind manipulation and stuff like that kind of, uh, hip, you know, hypnosis and that sort of thing. And because this person, let's call him Dave or Steve or something, you should have like a Harold. Right. Yeah. But so, so Harold is having coffee and they, at any rate, so he hears about this and he, because he's just desperate, maybe there's a girl. Maybe there's whatever. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And so he phones, he finds out, he finds a phone, he looks into it, and he finds a phone number, 
and he calls this person and he signs up for a, a, a seminar that takes place at midnight in an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> Those are the best uh, seminars always. Oh yeah, baby said it's a little shady. <laughs> and so he goes, but on his way to the warehouse, as he's walking down the dark alley to get to it, somebody pulls him aside. There's a, a person lurking in the shadows. Okay. Psst, psst, hey, asks him if he's going to the seminar, whatever. Maybe it's not called a seminar. That seems like it wouldn't even be called a seminar. If it's at midnight <laughs> on a, in an abandoned warehouse, it'd be called a something else. It sounds like a shakedown. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's going to this, this shady event in a warehouse at midnight. Am I to understand that possibly this shady person that's lurking in the shadows has put the word out there just to get people to come? Like, is this the person that was involved? Mm -hmm. Maybe the whole thing is a sham and this is some sort yeah, of like yeah. sinister, mad science-y kind of person who gets the one, one person who's, who's desperate enough to come to this thing and, right. and subjects them to some sort of consumable or injection or, yeah, or yeah, irradiation yeah. or something. So, but what's the, the scientist then? What's this guy's motive is that they, he, so maybe he, he does run this business of training people to interact, but he has this experience, but he's, he has an experimental, uh, he has an, ex yeah, experimental process where he uh, shoots electricity into the brain or something, shoots away some sort of, this is where again, you right. and I and our medical knowledge becomes really intelligent. <laughs> he, he shoots some sort of stuff into your brain and. Anyway, so he has this process where, and, and when he talks to the kid on the phone, he knows that this is the person that's desperate yeah. and gullible enough and a kid <laughs> to do this. And so, yeah, he, he, he has, he, he tricks the kid into meeting him at this warehouse by saying it's at this seminar. And then he meets the kid there and tells him about this helmet this yeah. thing this process by yeah. and where overnight he'll do all of this to his brain and it'll restructure it such that he can his brain can receive the the emotions and thoughts of other people and interpret it back in in the proper way to behave and act and talk and yeah 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 i think this guy i think this person is is i think the scientist is maybe um themselves a very a very insecure person um, mm. and maybe through this process is like trying to create a, like an army of, it's a very self-serving purpose. It's an army of people who can get along with him. Well, like he's all he's wanting to do is like make an army of people that are sociable and that can understand his, his awkwardness and get along with him perfectly. So why wouldn't he just want to invent this thing and then do it to himself. He doesn't want to mess himself up. He wants to make sure it works. On he likes else. how he is. Yeah. He likes how he is. That's the difference. Yeah. The difference is he's not willing to change. Other people need to change. Okay. I like that a lot. So then, so then he's, so the kid agrees because he, he, he can't help it. He needs yeah. it. He wants it so bad that he, well, oh, says, yes, I'll do it. What if there's like the, the ultimate in, in eighth grade awkwardness, the like the the homecoming dance 
coming up. And he's like, oh, there's this person that I really want to go to this dance with. And I just can't have have failed so many times. Like, this is the thing that pushes him to to accept this. Uh, but it's it's well, less no, about the, the dance, but more good. about like this one person. Like you had yeah, mentioned, yeah, like yeah. maybe there's a like a, a single relationship that mm-hmm. that he's trying to cultivate. And so then he gets he does this, but it's not foolproof. This is the first test run. He hasn't tested this thing on anybody. <laughs> and what happens is in the in the reformatting of the brain's connections that this does, he's still not able to behave the way that would be expected, but he doesn't care. Oh. That's what it cha- that's what it changes. All right. And it's not what it's not what was intended by this. In fact, so he's only so he's able to now, so after the process, he's maybe maybe he is able to pers- to even in a more in a more vivid way perceive people what people are sort of feeling and thinking and and so even whereas before he had great instincts for it and he'd read a lot and studied a lot, now he's insanely good he just has a sense he doesn't for all have of that. to study it he can just be around it and absorb it yep but he still his brain still works the way his brain works and in interpreting it and coming back he still misses it he still because he because as we all do he puts his he can't not put his suaveness <laughs> on whatever it is it's just that's because you can't just mimic someone it's always got you in it it's always still you and that's sort of what he ultimately maybe not learns but in this process eliminating his ability to be bothered by what other people think he learns that that's that's all that matters that just so he he becomes takes all of the knowledge he has about people and becomes a very uh just very committed champion for individuality i love that's i love it i love it and well and then that would that would even work so maybe afterwards he before he knows it hasn't quite worked properly maybe he Mm -hmm. does go to this dance or whatever gathering and and realizes that he doesn't care and that nobody else should care and like that's his that's the the spurring moment for him is like nobody should care how awkward it is and all of a sudden he's captain charming not because he's any more charming because he's way more weird and awkward because he's just commits to being himself well and he's super suave mega powers well we've already touched on this this sort of great uh understanding or empathy or whatever of people he has just gets i wouldn't say that he can read people's minds but he just is able to interpret facial movements and the way people speak and act and what they say and all of that he just can read between the lines of all of that, all of those forms of communication to understand even better than the person does how they feel or what they're sort of what, what's important to them and and all of that. He can within seconds of encountering a person or meeting a person, show them how to fully commit to being themselves without any care. So he, he, like telepathically like yeah like he's like he's able to it allows them to see it so it just allows them to see their true self what if it's like he can walk into a a situation and he like 
whether with his hands or with his mind or something, he he tosses like ice breaker blasts and it like it, it hits the people in the in whatever area and like they immediately if it's like if they're tense about something like they like a joke comes up like something about themselves that they find funny and they get like get relaxed and like people just all like everyone just kind of calms does that make yeah, sense yeah 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 it is and I, but i think what it, i think yes so he's able to i think this is good because he shoots these blasts mentally there's not a physical blast that anybody sees but he's able to sort of shoot this uh maybe other megas are able to perceive the blast but uh, people are generally not able to perceive it and it what it does is create in the person an inability to stop themselves from doing whatever the next thing they would do or say if they were totally comfortable in just themselves so it forces them to make some big gesture make a big joke do whatever, jump in, volunteer to do a thing that they wouldn't otherwise. And then once they're over, then they're over the hump and that's all anybody really needs. Yeah. Mega powers. What if he has a coat? Like a, Mm -hmm. like a special jacket that he, of many colors. Yes. Like that he's grabbed from this, this scientist or that, that maybe the scientist gave him, but it's like, it's kind of like, like a cloak of invisibility, but it's for uh, for blending into. Um, no, no, I don't like that. What if it's what if he what if it's something that he made? So <laughs> backing up a little. He. Part of his personality Part of what was true about his personality that he was through the way that he was living before is that he does enjoy trying lots of different things and meeting lots of different people and experiencing lots of different experiences, let's say. So he kept all of the when he, you know, when he was trying to impress the bikers and dressed in leather, he kept his leather jacket and stuff. And when he was trying to impress the football players and wearing a football jersey, he kept that. And so. He keeps a souvenir from all of his different pursuits and he's made this jacket for himself that has bits of all of this in it. And he was where and he but he was never comfortable showing it to anybody, but he wore it to this seminar, to this experience with the scientist. Right. And now the the jacket the jacket looks like the jacket and he's comfortable with it. But to whomever he encounters, the jacket looks like whatever they would see him in that makes them comfortable with him. Nice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's the jacket, kind of like a the jacket. Adapts. It's an adapting jacket, an adapting jacket. It's like a chameleon for um, a chameleon outfit for like social human social awareness situations. or social awareness. That what? <laughs> but like, That's yeah, right. for, and th- and it's and it's about it's because he's so comfortable with it because that's the that's the power is that because he's comfortable with the jacket other people perceive it as something cool and comfortable and happy and good and whatever that is to them so yeah. that's the that's the charm of the whole thing mega conflict so this scientist is we there's a clear nemesis oh here. yeah yeah because the, so this kid, Harold, the super suave is Harold, the super suave kid. <laughs> he's the the experiment that went wrong, yet he's enjoying 
a life of helping people and has become more comfortable with himself than he ever right. was before, but it's not in the way that the scientist had, had hoped. So yes. I really think that the scientist ends up making, I think, I feel like his, the purpose that we kind of talked about for the scientist almost ends up being that he's like making an, he's making armies of kind of mindless they're they're zombies. They're like socially awkward zombies. Like they they adhere to his social rules and norms and nobody else's. Does that make sense? So he's reconfigured the helmet to so he's adjusted because that didn't yeah, work. Yeah. And now what what the helmet does is because he's realized that what he was tapping into was how much you you cared about what other people thought that he taps in and is able to program these zombies to only care what he thinks. Yes. And it's, and like he can walk into like a mall and have this helmet on and people just start like kind of filing in oh, around that people. Yeah. But it's only like within a physical radius of him. Is that the deal? Yeah. But because of that, he can accomplish a lot of villainy because he's able to like walk into a bank and get everybody to rally around and give him. So he immediately, as is often the case, this scientist started out as a socially troubled person who just wanted to connect. But as soon as he gets a taste of the power that this allows, he turns to a life of crime and villainy, seeking revenge on a world that he thinks has turned into such an unpleasant place to exist. Yes. 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 Awkward 8th grade savant Harold Swavenson had difficulty connecting with people his own age. Every day, Harold would try to make friends with a different middle school social group, reinventing his wardrobe, hobbies, and vernacular to match theirs. Unfortunately, his erratic efforts only brought more ridicule from his fellow emotionally immature pre-teens. As consolation, Harold's behavior did garner him a large group of middle-aged friends. Adults found his enthusiasm charming and were unfazed by his quirks. With the school dance days away, Harold was desperate for a new approach to wooing his classmates. He mentioned his dilemma to a professor friend who knew about a controversial psychologist known for extreme approaches to improving social interactions. Harold found an outdated website and registered for a private coaching session at 10 p.m. the night before the dance. Reaching the address, Harold entered a small room which contained what looked like a homemade electric chair with an iPad wired to the arm. A spindly man in a lab coat emerged and introduced himself as Dr. Friendmaker. He explained that the device could reconfigure the brain, allowing one to more clearly understand the expected behavior of a social situation, rendering it easy to make friends with nearly anyone. In reality, the machine was designed to brainwash patients into worshiping Dr. Friendmaker, who himself struggled with feelings of social inadequacy and unhealthy personal boundaries. After 12 hours of brain zapping, Harold went home to sleep off the resulting headache. He awoke feeling fantastic and quickly dressed for the dance in a special jacket he had assembled from the remnants of his ever-changing wardrobe. Entering the dance, 
Harold realized he had been given greater powers than the doctor promised. Rather than understanding social expectations, Harold didn't care what anyone thought about him. Rather than being intimidated by the room full of clumsy kids, he wanted to help them. Feeling a surge of confident energy, he began projecting what he would later call icebreaker blasts around the room, forcing people to reveal their true selves free of insecurity or societal pressure. Knowing his powers could help the world beyond the middle school, he vowed to be a defender of social outcasts everywhere. And from that day forward, the cool and the quirky alike would know him as Super Suave. And there you have it. Super Suave, the Super middle suave. school vigilante for social interaction and social... Um, glory glory social glory thank you adam adam that was a great character and uh <laughs> it came together came together really well it was a lot of fun i uh, out of a you know kind of goofy small town thing my dad used to say uh there therein lieth a good character <laughs> i don't know it was it was it's fun i sway super suave I think is a part of all of us. That's what was fun about this character was I kept thinking, oh, this feels like me. And then I was like, I think everybody feels that way. Well, it it addresses, it's a theme that you and I have touched on with so many other characters. And, but it's like really taking this whole idea and put it into a single, um, single hero, an eighth grader, no less. I guess it's, I mean, it's no coincidence that you and I keep inventing people that were awkward in junior high, but it's true. They're, there is something really satisfying about making a a making a I I don't want to say like there's a part of me that wants to say winner or success story or but I mean I guess hero is the word but any any of that almost seems false because I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like Super Suave was struggling before becoming Mega but Super Suave was looking for something and I I think taking these people who are otherwise feel incomplete or inadequate or not fully tapped into themselves and through the megification process imbuing them with the sort of self-actualization and set of powers to really commit to being the thing that they are Mm -hmm. the thing that they can be and sharing that with the world in whatever weird way suits their fancy that is such a great part of this process and i think super suave is a really good example of taking kind of a, an awkward person who's struggling with a basic part of human function and saying it's okay man yeah yeah just be you be you and use it for good the other the other big takeaway for this episode for me was uh, kind of a, a coincidental uh, connection between something we said at the beginning and something that happened throughout the episode where wherein we 
really combined our our strengths on a couple of the the powers uh you really brought two two different minds together in ways that we i mean we do this podcast all the time where we're coming together but specifically those those powers came together um in a really cool way that we we don't necessarily do every episode and and that was something that even as it was happening i had to kind of step back and and try to appreciate um because it, it it's it's just one of those kind of rare moments of creativity uh that that really kind of make me make me smile when they when they happen absolutely it's it is it's that super suave lack of fear of being able to really openly interpret what somebody's saying and and contribute to it in a collaborative yeah. way that that's we spend so much time terrified of putting ourselves out there that way and that it's such a i really this is something i think about a lot so it's no coincidence that i think we come up with characters that are that are trying to find better ways to connect right. with other people. Because I think, I do think it's something that is in jeopardy right now. It's a real challenge for mm. people to connect. I think of uh, a lot of different generations for a lot of different reasons. And I don't blame technology because I'm a, a, I'm a great fan of te- technology, but I think a lot of the circumstances of our lifestyle now are making it really hard for us to understand how to relate to each other. And we're not getting the practice doing it. And certainly not in, complex ways like collaborating to create something and it's part of what's i think really critical about working in some collaborative way creatively that it does it it allows for you're right that we don't always get there but there are moments where there's a perfect sort of union of two thoughts and it it takes doing that a lot to understand where those where where those places can be and how to navigate interacting with another person's brain which may as well be sitting on a in a jar on the desk because you don't know what's going on in their brain and they, they don't know what's going on in your brain and really at the end of the day how much do you really know what's going on in your brain right not that much so it's such a guessing game and that can make and we all are afraid to get hurt yeah 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 and it just you know, the Super Swave is just another and a long line of heroes that we've made that can, for this week, become a mascot for the B Mega Podcast because absolutely, absolutely, it just is a, a perfect uh, reflection of of us and of people in general. So uh, go out there and Super Swave your butt off. Just throw it all out there. Get funky. Give the world, give the world all that funky you that you got bottled up in your brain jar. And as always, remember, be mega. Thank you for listening to this week's ridiculously smooth episode of the Be Mega Podcast. Do you like the show? Then leave a glowing review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe wherever fine podcasts are offered. Bonus points if you mention the two brains. Extra bonus points if you mention this week's character, Super Swave. To learn more about the characters and other creative goo that Luke and Adam extract from their individually wrapped brains, visit MegatonCityNews.com. You can
can also follow them on Twitter and Instagram at MegatonCity. That is, follow Luke and Adam, not the brains. Those slimy globs of sentient gray matter aren't allowed to have social media yet. Until next week, stay cool, do good, and be mega! Yeah. <laughs>